Welcome to Living Water Radio. Have you ever longed to be given a crown? It is our sure and certain hope, and we receive it by God's grace. And then we throw it away. How does that work? Today, we're going to find out. My name is Pastor David Burkadall. My wife, Reverend Sally Welch, is co-producing this podcast. Sally is an ordained minister actively focusing on ecumenical and interfaith ministry. I served Lutheran Christian congregations in Compton, California, and in San Dimas, California, for over 40 years. I helped out at a Lutheran church in Monterey Park. Today, I'm filling in temporarily for pastors in the Los Angeles area, maintaining our yard as my gym, and I'm attempting to learn Mandarin Chinese. We are retired clergy and have over 80 years of ordained ministry experience between the two of us. Check out our first Living Water Radio podcast, number zero, Welcome and Introduction, for more information about us and this podcast. The coronation of King Charles III as King of the United Kingdom and other countries in the Commonwealth took place last Saturday. You probably saw at least some of it if you were like most people on this planet. It was a highly religious and mostly Christian ceremony with elements of ritual that go back a thousand years and roots that go even deeper. Kings of Israel were anointed as the sign of God's call and blessing. King Charles was anointed by the Archbishop of Canterbury in a ceremony that took place behind a screen out of the public's view. Whatever your view of what happened behind that screen, it pointed to God's holy otherness, to God's transcendent presence in a way that is rare in public worship today. We still call our Sunday morning gatherings worship, though in many places it seems more like the wistful gathering of people who, at best, seek to recapture a church organization of the idealized past, and at worst is a meeting of a social service agency that uses religious language. It is casual, unceremonious, self-referential, performative, and self-deprecating. We have sought to make worship accessible and relatable. What we are losing is what makes it worship, a sense of the holy and a direction toward the holiness of God. How do we change that? How do we progress to where worship points to the living, transformative relationship with the one true living God, for which we were created, that expresses more than just a casual acquaintance. It's been said that when Handel composed his oratorio, The Messiah, he went into seclusion. When he was composing the closing Alleluia chorus, he barely ate or slept. His assistant grew concerned and bravely entered the room where he found Handel staring into space with an almost beatific glow. He said, I think I did see heaven open and the very face of God. How many of us receive the gifts of the arts in worship with anything close to that regard, or enter into worship with any hope of a divine encounter at all? Kings stand when the Hallelujah Chorus is sung. Everyone stands. Why? Because both the words, all of which come from the Bible, and the music point to the King of Kings. The last Sunday in the church year is Christ the King Sunday. It's kind of weird for Americans to call Jesus a king, as we had a revolution to shake off the rule of a bad one. We worship the King of Kings, who wore a crown of thorns. Why do we care about crowns? 
You may have heard someone say after you've done some sacrificial act, well, that's another jewel in your crown. But there's no reference to that in the Bible, not that I can see. It's just another metaphor for doing something for which there is no reward in this world. Either way, why do we care? What happens to those crowns, the ones we get for heaven? We see in Revelation 4, 6b through 11. Note, lion equals Mark, ox equals Luke, face of a human equals Matthew, flying eagle equals John. Around the throne and on each side of the throne are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind, the first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with a face like a human face, and the fourth living creature like a flying eagle. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and inside. Day and night, without ceasing, they sing, Holy, 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 the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to the one who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the twenty-four elders fall before the one who is seated on the throne and worship the one who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, singing, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. All our crowns are thrown at Jesus' feet. Our achievements, even our good works, are subordinate to the work of Jesus on the cross. Queen Victoria, King Charles's great-grandmother, is reported to have said that she hoped that Jesus would return during her reign so that she could literally throw her earthly crown at Jesus' feet. Ultimately, the only crown that matters is the crown of thorns that tells us the meaning of what happened on the cross. What happens behind the curtain is not mystery. In fact, there is neither curtain nor mystery in the Christian faith, but reality. God's revelation is our revolution, our reformation. We don't need a pep talk. We need a reality check. How do we bring that revelation to a church in material decline? First, I think that we need to open our hearts to God's transformational presence to change ourselves, not to put our focus on changing our church. If we are changed, our church will change. That is what the Word of God and the means of grace do. Those are the means of the Holy Spirit at work within and among us. They are all we need because the Holy Spirit is all we need. Second, we will not renew the church by inviting people to pay the bills, to meet people superficially like themselves, to support the current leadership, or to carry on the traditions of what we think our churches have done in the past. Third, breaking down the church to whatever pleases people does not make it less formal. It just makes it less of a church. Mocking the church does not make it more relatable. It just enters into a race to the bottom. Dumbing down the church doesn't make it more accessible. It just tells non-members that we have a low opinion of them. Lowering our expectations for membership or the Christian life does not make it less legalistic. It just makes us a less attractive alternative to the world. 
Fourth, we are called to be a Christian community, not a secular institution with a Christian tradition. A Christian community does not place institutions and traditions in the forefront. It exists to point people to the living God who changes lives. Changed lives change the world. Fifth, repentance and forgiveness are at the beginning of our worship services for a reason. Yet, for many people, they have become just another element to finish and check off the list of the order of service. Why not receive them joyfully and actively as a reminder of the restoration of our true selves at the start of every day as a daily reminder of the new life that is begun in Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, within us? Sixth, the world is longing for connection. We are made for it, and we have lost it during the pandemic. We can bear witness to what we have been given by demonstrating a sense of energy and enthusiasm for service that is not dismissive and worn out. We can live the outcome of transformed lives by embodying the fruit of the Holy Spirit. What is that fruit? Paul writes in his letter to the church at Galatia in Galatians 5:22 and 23. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. Seventh, selfless love is our hallmark. It is showing actual boundary-breaking selfless love for one another. It is living lives that show that we actually believe what we say. Living with integrity, not just in my faith or in my truth, but in the living relationship with the one true living God for which we were created, is who we are, and therefore what we do. Faith is not something we make up. It is reality itself. We don't worship out of a force of habit or a tradition or a fear that we have to, but from a desire to be in communion with God and in fellowship with other people whose lives have likewise been changed, who have been redeemed, who have received power from on high. There are always stresses that threaten to divide us, but a focus on Jesus and not my journey will bind us together across every wound of division. This is the only enlightenment that matters, the epiphany of the Word made flesh, crucified, risen, and coming again. So what if we've lost the power that comes from the loss of numbers? That was never our superpower anyway. So what if some have lost their confidence, if they experience a spiritual emptiness? We are a Christian community, the body of Christ. We are God's agents, called and equipped to build one another up again. I ask you to go inside yourself right now and look around. God is there and will encounter you. Ask him. God will build you up so that you can build others up in God's name. I've read that the coronation of King Charles III cost over $126 million dollars. Other estimates run from 63 million to 315.5 million, and there has been some controversy over who should pay for it all. Sally and I attended the installation service of a local pastor last Sunday. Sally was representing the Southern California Christian Forum and the Ecumenical Interfaith Relations Committee. When pastors start a new call at a new church, they aren't crowned, they are installed. 
like the plumbing. The service was elegant. It contained elements of ancient tradition, and it featured people from many walks of life pointing to the role of pastor that includes pointing to the transcendent in the Christian life. It didn't cost much money, but its foundation was paid for with the blood of Jesus Christ. But the same Christian community was present at both events. The same hope was referenced, and the same Lord was Lord of all. Our foundation is the death of Jesus on the cross that has reconciled us to God and restored the relationship for which we were created. Let's live into that gift. Athletes who won their events in the ancient Olympic Games were not awarded a medal, but a wreath, translated in the King James Version of the Bible as a crown of laurel leaves. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, 24-25, do you not know that in a race the runners all compete, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win it. Athletes exercise self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable one. Receiving this prize is our coronation, the imperishable wreath, the one that matters forever, and it comes as a gift from God who we worship, and for whom we live in the power of the Holy Spirit from the inside out. We may pray for and respect King Charles and all worldly leaders, but let us worship Jesus, the King of Kings. Today, let's remember to pray the Lord's Prayer, the one that Jesus taught us. If you don't know what that is, contact us at therevsdavidandsally at gmail.com or send us a tweet to at David Burkadal and we'll send it to you. Send your prayer requests to either of the same addresses and we'll include them next time. Send your comments, questions, and concerns there as well and we'll respond to every one. As always, we encourage you to stay hydrated, to open your heart to receive the living water from the source, God's self the living presence of the one true living God, the God who gave himself on the cross so that all who believe and are baptized might be restored to the living relationship with God for which we were created. Remember your church. Identify one if you don't already have one. Pray about it and ask the Holy Spirit to guide you. Ask a friend about it or a family member. Google it. Contact the pastor. When you have a church, go to or tune into the worship services they have available and support your church with your time, your treasure, and your talent. Pray for and support your pastor and church leaders as they seek to do God's will for your congregation. If you are having thoughts of suicide or are struggling with mental health issues, call somebody. Contact a friend or a relative. Google a local or national hotline. Reach out. There are people around you who will walk with you through this dark time into the light. You are not alone. Wear a mask when you're outside your home. Practice social distancing. Wash or sanitize your hands regularly. Avoid crowds if you can. And be outside if you have to be in a crowd. But most importantly, get your vaccines and boosters. It's the one thing you can do to literally save lives and get us back on track. Be kind to everyone you come into contact with. Everyone you meet today struggles in some way. Be a helper and encourager. Thank you for listening to Living Water Radio. 
We are here for Christians and for the people of the Los Angeles metropolitan area who are looking for a sense of Christian community, a source of hope, and a way to thrive together as we move into the new normal. We hope you'll tune in next time and invite your friends to do the same. Meanwhile, Sally and I encourage you to open your hearts to receive living water, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and stay hydrated. <laughs>